God wants you to be fully persuaded that his word is true. And this does not happen automatically, okay? We were talking about faith Wednesday night, and we said this, there's a big principle. In in the book of Jeremiah, it says that the way of man is not in man. In other words, we are created by God not to know our way. It goes on to say, it's not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. And yet what happens is so many believers, and, and I'll just deal with charismatic believers, charismatic believers that don't meditate in the word of God and don't put the word first, they, they walk trying to figure out their life just like the world hoping it works out, but they spiritualize things. And and here's the thing. The walk of faith is not blind. It's not blind. You have been created by God to walk and live by faith, to literally walk in union with God to where he is revealing his plan and where he is ordering your steps so that now you're never moved by circumstances. Now, you could sit here and go, well, now wait, Pastor. Man, there's so much going on all around me all the time, all the time. Thoughts, you know, you'll hear things, you'll see things, all this stuff that moves you. But here's the thing. You need to realize that God has laid out in his word the way for you to walk. And it's a more sure way. Isn't it a bummer when you step out? And sometimes you'll step out into some big stuff. And all of a sudden, it seems like it's not working. Right? And and you you start, you, you try to play faith, but you're really not in faith. And, and I believe that there is a great awakening happening in the church right now. An awakening to righteousness and actually an awakening to to faith. You know, we know all these scriptures, we talk about them. Actually, pastors have taught on it so much that they, they hate quoting Mark eleven twenty four or 23 or 22, you know. They don't, they don't, because it's like, oh man, you know, I went to Rhema and they, people think I just always, no, 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 no. No, we have to flow in what the Holy Spirit wants. So think about, think about your life. Go to Philippians 4, 13. Philippians chapter 4 in verse 13. And I want you to think about and imagine. Imagine that you were fully persuaded that this was true. God says, he, now God spoke this, which means this is not just true. Don't ever say, well, you know, God is good and his word is true. You'll never hear me say that. Because God is good, but his word is not true. You know, it's true that this table's standing here. But you know, I could move that table. No, God's word is truth. And truth can never change. It's immovable. Everything that God spoke, he spoke it. It's done. And for whoever will believe it, they can walk in it. So think about this scripture right here in relation to your life. I can do all things through Christ. Well, what does Christ do? Who strengthens me. This word strengthen means he empowers me. He does. Think about this. The creator of the universe empowers you. This word also means enables you. So I wonder if you're able to do something that God's called you to do. Well, God says, I will enable you. This word also gives you the picture of, your, of literally your strength being increased. 
to be made strong. Isn't that amazing? I can do all things through Christ who empowers me, enables me, strengthens me, and makes me strong. He causes my strength to increase. Think about your life. Would you ever be concerned if you were fully persuaded that that was true? But what do we do? See, this was how the enemy got me. Okay, pastor, I buy it. I I believe it. God's word is true. But I'm the weak link in this situation. What if I mess up or I, and it becomes, and when you, when you, what happens is Satan is now getting you on the works treadmill. If I, if I. You have to realize if you'll literally just walk with the Lord and follow him, you were created to walk by faith. It is natural for you to be fully persuaded that the word is true. The enemy will literally work all, he'll work overtime to literally try to get you to believe, well, this time it's not going to work. Always realize this. The Lord spoke this to me. I told my wife yesterday. uh, He spoke this to me just when I was sitting in my chair in the morning. But he said, past failures produce future fears. And then he started talking to me about today. So what happens in a Christian's life is they get saved. And they're just like, wow, I'm alive. You're like a little kid. I can do everything in God. Right? And you're just like, all things. I mean, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. I'm going to lay hands on everybody. I'm not moved by anything because God. Right? But then... We start to learn a little bit and we start to micromanage some things and we stop meditating in the word. We just start listening to it a lot and we never get fully persuaded. But I'm here to tell you if you'll literally put the word of God first place and you will keep your eyes on the word and keep it in your heart and keep it coming out of your mouth all of a sudden, you will start to become fully persuaded because it's how you're made. You're ma- I mean, you are one spirit with God. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, and he wants to bring revelation of this word. Like today, I preach the word. Do you know what the goal is? See, the goal is not for you to hear what I'm saying. The goal is for us to get hungry and get our eyes on the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit will start speaking to us. That's every time I go to the Bible, when I'm reading, when I'm studying, when I'm meditating, I am utterly and completely relying on the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Because when he speaks, faith is right there. And I'm telling you, in order to walk by faith and live by faith, he has to be speaking all the time. So you have to, we said this Wednesday night, step number one, the foundation, is you have to come to a place in your life where you are willing to submit your life in humility before the Lord Jesus Christ And make a decision to completely depend upon him and nothing else or no one else. Now, how do you do that? Your flesh will fight you. It won't feel good. See, here's the thing. A lot of times when you're doing really good and feeling really good, you're feeling really good in your spirit when you're standing and speaking. But outwardly, you're not feeling good because you're like, 
I don't know if this, this is not comfortable. I don't think this is working. The doctor's saying it's getting worse. I'm, the money situation's getting worse, right? And have you ever noticed that will get louder and louder and louder unless you make a decision to shut that off? And when, when you start to learn that you are not a body, that your flesh is never to rule you, that you're a spirit, and when, when your emotions start freaking out and when you, you know, and your feelings start going in a wrong direction and when your flesh is kind of, oh, if you'll just speak the word out of your heart, it'll all, it'll all leave and calm down. It, it just will. It's the way you live. But you have to make that decision. If you're, if you're in any way relying on yourself, on your education, on your current income, all of these things... They seem so good, but they will derail you. You are made to literally and completely depend on God. Let's look at just another scripture. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. We did a whole series on this one. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. We have to say some of these things before we get in the word this morning. <laughs> we stay in the word, don't we? Look at, look at this. Could you imagine verse 57 of 1 Corinthians 15? But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is amazing. So it says here, he, he gives us the victory. He gives us the victory. Now, what's interesting about this scripture is this is talking about things in the future. In whatever situation you're in right now, God's saying, and, and this is in the, if you dig a little bit, it's in the continual present tense, which means you could read it this way, God always gives me the victory. So here you are, wherever you are right now, in whatever thing you're facing, God is saying, I will always give you the victory. So if, you're all, if he's always giving you the victory and you were fully persuaded about that, would you ever be concerned about this thing just not working out? So, so if you ask anything according to his will, 1 John chapter 5, you know he hears you. Well, what's his will? Well, if, if he said he gave it to you, it's his will. And if you know that he hears you, you know that you have what you've asked him for. Not going to get, you already have it. Now, the thing is, you can't see it. You can't perceive it yet with your senses. Why? Well, listen, you believe you receive... Your faith reaches into that unseen realm, grabs hold of it. You still can't see it or feel it. You believe you receive it, and the Bible says you will have it. What does that mean? You will have it in this realm. That sickness, that pain, money, all this stuff, it will all come in line. Your circumstances will come in line. He always causes you to triumph. And then he says this, because of this, verse 58, therefore... My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. You know what that word steadfast means? It means be settled. That means when you get in a battle and you see what God says, if you see that he'll meet all your needs according to his riches and glory, if your needs are not met, when you know he always gives you the victory, you can be settled. Oh, this is settled. Have you ever settled something? That's where I, I get warm fuzzies because I have all these to-do lists. I love when I erase it because it's settled. You could have sickness in your body and you could erase that thing way before the sickness leaves your body. Amen. Why? Because you're settled. And then it says, be, it, it, so it's, the decision's yours. You decide to be settled. 
You decide to be unmovable. You decide to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Hmm, maybe now we know why in churches it's usually 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Now we know why Christians are not leading other people to Christ. Because if you're not settled in your own life, if you're not unmovable in your own life, you're not going to always be abounding in the work of the Lord, which is why you're here, because you're up to here with your own life. So that does away with the concept as I'm so spiritually mature, you know, I'm just kind of sitting and I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of waiting. Well, you know, we really need help here. You know, could you, could you minister to a child? Could you usher? Could you be on the worship team? Well, you know, I, I just, I, I got to really hear from God. I got your answer. Read the Bible. You can hear from him right now. Get busy. Get busy, right? Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Could you imagine if you believe this? That I have the power to settle myself. I have the power to just decide to be unmovable. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 14. Man, I could go the whole service. 2 Corinthians 2.14, look at this. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. You know what the triumph is? That's the party after the victory. That's where they give you the trophy and the guys are going nuts, right? He always causes you to triumph. Wow. In Christ... And my Father will make manifest the savor or the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. God will ensure that wherever you walk, people will be like, what is that fragrance? If it had a name, it'd be called victory. Right? I mean, it's nice to wear cologne or per perfume, but it's really nice when you wear victory. And people who are around you, they just always see you walk in victory. So if, if Satan is coming to steal, kill, and destroy, listen, don't freak out. Get excited. See, if you are fully persuaded that that was true, he always causes me to triumph. Would you be concerned this morning? No. Would your, would your words be right? Yeah. Would you be experiencing the joy of the Lord? See, we're waiting for the joy of the Lord, but you'll never walk in the joy of the Lord if you wait for it. You, the, you have joy by the answer of your mouth. Your mouth is, is the stirrer. It's the mixer. When you start mixing the word in your mouth, saying it over and over and over and over, what happens is it stirs it. You start walking around going, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What happens is inwardly that starts stirring in you and you all of a sudden, you're walking in joy. And it's way beyond a feeling. Way beyond a feeling. See, I, I wrote some notes here. If you look at these two scriptures, thanksgiving, victory, and triumph are all connected. They're all connected. We did a whole series on thanksgiving, and we said this, thanksgiving actually increases your capacity to receive from God. If you'll notice what happens to you when you start looking at wrong things, speaking wrong things, you will instantly get to where you're not thanking God for anything. And you could have 800 things going right in your life, but this one area, right? This one area will eat your lunch and it'll cut off 
the blessing of God, what that means, it, it cuts off God's ability to get anything over to you. See, we are created to say what we see. So Satan is always trying to get you to see wrong. Seeing correctly is looking at the word of God. If you want to see if you're healed, look at the word. If you want to see if you're victorious, look at the word. If you want to see if you're prosperous, look at the word. Don't look at your circumstances. They're all subject to change, and the word will change every one of them. Not you. The word will. Right? You'll say what you see. Here's another thing that Satan knows. What you see, that's not what will move you. What you're looking at will get you to do this. It will get you to say. And what you say is what moves you. So he wants you to look at things wrong. He wants you to focus on what you don't have. He wants you to focus on the outward, what's happening in the world. And listen, you know, we don't have a whole lot of control of, of thoughts that could come and this and that, but we can sure take every one of them captive. And you are made to keep your eyes on Jesus. God has placed within you everything. I mean, when you start to look at, you go to one more scripture. Go to Luke chapter 10. Let's just jump back into the authority of the believer. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Could you imagine if you believe this scripture and were fully persuaded? I'm here to tell you today that you could leave here today and get yourself on the road to being fully persuaded. It will change every area of your life. You'll stop trying to make things happen and you will let God do it. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Look at what Jesus said. He said, behold, I give you power. That word power means delegated authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions are a type of the satanic hierarchy that comes against you. And you have been given delegated authority to tread on them. That word tread means to have absolute mastery over them. Right? Do you know if LeBron James and I got on a basketball court, he would, he would have absolute mastery over me. Now, I played a lot of basketball years and years ago, and maybe when I was younger and really in shape, I might get... You know, I was a pretty good, I had a pretty good outside shot. I might get a shot off and score a little bit on him. Today, no. I still remember when I played basketball with my first NBA player. It was, it was me and a, you know, a friend of mine and then his best friend who was playing for the Golden State Warriors and then another guy, uh, Michael Cooper, who was playing for the Lakers. He was defensive player of the year. He had complete mastery. I'm like, wow, I was a fool to think I would ever be good enough to play in the NBA. <laughs> so if you look at LeBron James, six foot eight, 270 some pounds, at about 7% body fat, 40 some inch vertical jump, I've seen him to where the rim was about here, right? Just... A phenomenal, if you put him physical specimen next to mine, you'd go, no way. If you put me in a basketball situation against Micah, you'd be like, well, that's not even fair. That's how it is for you versus Satan. Oh, he sounds so big and bad. He can make circumstances seem so real. But listen, if you go into the fire, it won't kindle upon you. God placed you and I in this earth and he gave us dominion. And he wants you to walk by faith and have dominion in every situation in your life. This, when the church wakes up to this, no longer will the culture affect the church. The church will affect the culture. With the love of God, the freedom in Christ, 
Man, it's going to be an exciting time watching all this. But this is how you've been made. Hallelujah. Look at this. To tread, to have absolute mastery over all of the satanic hierarchy. And if that wasn't enough, let's talk about Satan himself. And over all the power, it's a little vague because those two words, power, are not the same thing. That, that word, and over all the power, that's, that word would be translated in the Greek authority, or I'm sorry, ability. And over all the ability of the enemy. So you are to have absolute mastery over all the demonic influence and satanic influence, and you have, you have literally absolute mastery according to this scripture over all of satan's ability and because of those two things well three things because he's given you this a delegated authority right he's given you authority over these things now it says and nothing shall by any means hurt you how would you live if you absolutely were fully persuaded that that was true would you, would you ever fear anything? Would it maybe cause you to walk at rest and at peace? Would it maybe cause you to just really be positioned so that you can get to know Christ in a way because you're not distracted? When you saw Jesus work and walk in the earth, Satan was a, he was a non-issue. He's casting demons out of people, out of a daughter of the Syrophoenician woman who was in another part of the country. And he didn't even talk to the demon. He just said, hey, your daughter's free. There was enough authority. And, and that wasn't even all authority. The authority that we've been given, that's from Matthew 28. Jesus, when he came out of the grave, he said, all authority's been given unto me. Think if you were fully persuaded that Jesus, of, of what the word said in Galatians 3.13, that Christ hath, past tense, redeemed me, purchased me out of the curse of the law, which means it includes all sickness and disease and pain, it includes all poverty and lack, it includes spiritual death, because he was made a curse for me. Do you imagine if you were fully persuaded that Matthew 8, 17 was true, that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain? We have a problem in our seminaries and we have a problem in our pulpits, which is causing a problem in our churches. We're, we're, we're not preaching that this whole thing about being fully persuaded. And Christians are reading this and they're frustrated because they don't know how to be fully persuaded. So we need to talk about that. Amen? So turn in your Bibles to James. Go to James chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 1. The Word of God lays it out. Hallelujah. Say this with me if, if, if you choose to. Today... I make the quality decision to be fully persuaded that what God said is true. That what God said is absolute truth. See, we live in a world where absolute truth is kind of on the wayside. Truth is whatever you believe. There's no absolute truth. It's whatever you personally believe. And that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Truth is not of this world. Right? Have you noticed? Here's another thing that Satan is doing in the world today. We have more access to information than any generation of humanity ever. And have you noticed that when you get to the end of all of it, do you ever kind of come to a conclusion that, wow, I don't know that I can believe anything that I hear, anything that I'm hearing on TV, anything I'm hearing on the internet. Things, I mean, you could look at a video on the internet that looks so real and then you find out, no, no, that was just doctored. Why is that? Because Satan 
He's trying to condition people so that they don't believe anything. But this, this you can believe. And Satan hates that. That's why not too many miles north of us, do you realize, in the country connected to us, they're burning churches right now. More Christians are being martyred around the world right now than ever in the history of the church. More people are coming to Christ right now. More people are being healed. More people are being raised from the dead. More, pe- more miracles are happening than ever before. But it's time that it starts happening here. Yeah, amen. amen? And, and so we, we need to teach the word so that we can walk in this. James chapter 1 and verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. I mean, I, I love this. Here's Pastor James. He just gets right to the point. Hey, guys, hello. Now he gets right to the point. My brethren, count it. This phrase in the Greek, count it, means to treat it, consider it, and act like it is. Count it all joy when, not if, you fall into diverse temptations. Not if, which means that we're all going to fall into what they call diverse, different temptations. And the word fall is real interesting. It, in the Greek, it means to come in contact with, to be faced with, because it is all around you. So realize this, as you walk through life, all this stuff is all around you, and you are going to come into diverse temptations. This is an interesting thing. Temptations, this Greek word means tests, trials, and pressure. If you study this Greek word out, it comes into your life to draw you away from the truth. The whole world system is designed to create fear and produce unbelief. The whole world system is. So listen, that's why when you go to a doctor, you need to be built up because that doctor has spent at least four years of undergrad college, four years of of medical school. If he's a family doc, three years of residency. If he's a doctor of internal medicine, it could be four to five years of of residency. But he is well-versed in, in fact, this is what's going on in your body, right? Dr. Kirshner, you, you don't guess, do you? You do blood work. And you, I mean, you, you're like, okay, we know exactly what's going on. But he's one of these docs that when there's no other, there's no hope, he could look at him and say, okay, so let me talk to you about something else. Amen. But see, the whole world system... So when you go to a doctor, doctors are not our enemy, right? Not our enemy at all. Thank God for doctors, man. Doctors and surgeons, if we didn't have them, we might be in trouble. If we weren't taking some medicine so that we could get built up in our faith, we might not make it sometimes. So don't, but, but also don't allow this feeling of, oh man, I just don't even like the way I feel sitting here. I don't like to, don't talk to me about this stuff. Of course, it, it's, they're talking to you about facts, but you should have truth welling up on the inside of you. And if you ever get a bad report, just thank that doctor. Hey, thank you very much and walk out and say, well, Father, I declare that I believe your report and I will not die. But I will live and I will declare the works of the Lord. Because the truth will change facts. When you fall into different temptations, why do you count it joy? Because of verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying, which means the proving and the testing of your faith. Notice, you think you're being tried. You think you're being tested but you're not. Your faith is. Satan doesn't really care about you. 
He wants to hold you up. And he wants you off the planet in a way that will proclaim to everybody you know that Jesus is really not Lord and he's not real. But he doesn't test you. He's testing your faith. The trying of your faith, what happens? It works, which means in the Greek, it brings about something we call patience. It's the Greek word hupomene. It literally means it brings about constancy. It brings about steadfastness. It brings about endurance. In other words, when you are in faith and you are pressed, there's an endurance that will well up inside of you so that you're not moved. It's a strength that you stand in that is not yours. You have to know this. Now, if you're not in faith, when you get hit with something and you shrink back, realize, don't get down on yourself. Realize, oh, I thought I was in faith, but I'm not. And run back to the word. How do you get in faith? It's very simple. You hear God's word. You speak it over and over. Don't, don't, try, to, don't try to do it in yourself. You know, I just need to get in faith. Relax. The word does the work. To be fully persuaded, it's just literally a decision that you're going to utterly depend on him and then you just put the word first and you will automatically get to a place where you're not movable. When you're pressed, you'll, you'll see it. When you're pressed, you get stronger. When you get pressed, you're like, no. When you get a report that you don't like in the natural, you're like, I no. I reject it in Jesus' name. That is not the way it will be. This is the way it will be. It is written. It is written. It is written. And all, I, all my trust is in him. And I, know, I already know I'm fully persuaded. God said. See, if a believer will get to that place, the enemy will not be able to steal, kill, steal, kill and destroy in their life anymore. In other words, you get in faith and you stay in faith. And you will see in this realm your answer. As a matter of fact, and this is a big statement, because right now the majority of people in our circles, they don't even really know what it's like to really get in faith. Man, I know I say that, and I, I don't even like saying that, but you know, guys, we got to be real. But if we make, But everyone can just make a decision in one moment of time and change that. To where now, I mean, now you just, you get pressed and you get stronger. And you get pressed. See, Satan's stupid. He'll keep pressing you. He's, he's a killer. He's a destroyer. And he'll keep pressing you and pressing you. And you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. But not in yourself. You're at rest. You've ceased from trying to work this thing out. You already know the end result. And now you're at rest. So now the Holy Spirit can go, do this, do this. You know, sometimes you get attacked with a virus, like a flu virus or something, a stomach flu or something. Sometimes the Lord will be like, you need to go to bed and rest. Other times he might say, what are you doing? Get up. Well, people, get up. You have to know. But if you don't know the end result, you'll be locked in. Wait a minute, time out. I'm feeling this way, Right? Now, I use the word virus, so let's be smart. If you have a virus, do what God says, but don't come in a group of people. Don't, don't be that ridiculous faith person that doesn't even know how to spell faith. Well, I'm in faith. I could come in a group of people. Well, I'm in faith. I could put my child who has, you know, a stomach flu in, in the nursery at church. No, 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 no. No. You, you be in faith. Go home and be in faith. Watch online, but don't put everybody else because you don't know where other people are at, right? So we be smart, but really, what are the rules? Be led. But see, here's the problem. We've been led by our flesh and think it's God. So how do we get away from that? You can completely get away from that because the word will lead you. 
The Holy Spirit will lead you by the word of God. Knowing this, is, are, is this okay today? I, th- this is a season. Listen, Jesus is coming. We are pioneering. No, no other generation in the church has ever pastored in the final days. We're a final days church. What is that going to look like? Well, I know what it looks like today. What's it going to look like in the future? I don't know. I just know it's going to increase and it's going to be glorious and the world's not going to win and we're never going to go backwards. What is it going to look like though? I don't know. I might, we might be just going, hey, you know what? Hey, listen, 5,000 people got saved. We, we, Baxter Arena, CHI Center, we got to start we got to start renting places, right? Pastor Dave, hey, there's 4,000 people over here. Leanne, I know you like to go to church with your husband, but man, you got to go over here to the Baxter Arena and ministry. Pastor Mark, you know, after you lead worship and get over here, or you got to go over here and, and, and you need to disciple people and preach, and, right? We don't know what it's going to look like, but we know it's going to be increase. So this is a huge thing. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith... It brings about patience, hupomene. It's a single-mindedness. This Greek word means single-mindedness. It's a quality of character which does not allow one to surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. It won't allow you to do that. There is something on the inside of you. It's a fruit of your spirit that will rise up in you and will not let you surrender, shrink back, or give up. It'll cause you to move forward. There's, a, there's something in you that would just be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says, we having the same spirit of faith. They sit there and go, listen, king. Listen, just know this. If you throw us in that fiery furnace, our God will deliver us. Or he says he's able to deliver us. And then they said, and he will deliver us. But if you don't throw us in, we are not bowing. You could blow your orchestra all day long and we are not bowing. You might be the most powerful guy on the planet. We are three teenagers, Hebrew teenagers, but we're gods. And, and you compared to me is, there's no, there's no comparison. You're, you're greater than me. However, you're nothing compared to him. Right? That, where does that come from? It's on the inside of you right now. It's wonderful. It says, but let patience have her perfect word, or perfect work. That means let patience Finish this work in you that you may be complete. Perfect means complete and entire means whole, wanting nothing. Do you know why you want nothing? Because you already know you have it. You might not be able to see it yet, but you already know. You already know you have the victory. You already know you're going over and not under. But you're not strong. This is not a picture of you being strong in yourself. Patience, hupomene. This Greek word, there's a couple Greek words used for patience. We're going to look at both of them today. And it really gives us a well-rounded picture of this fruit of your spirit that is in you. It's, It's part of who you are. In other words, Jesus took care of every destructive thing that came on man because man went into union with Satan. He took care of every one of them. You must put everything you have against your enemy. What do you mean? You have to put your thought life. You have to take every thought captive to the word of God. How do you do that? Oh, you just get full of the word and you'll be able to do that. It'll it'll happen automatically. Okay? You have to put, second thing, you have to put all your words against the enemy you can't talk your circumstances one minute and talk faith the next it doesn't work that way your tongue is your steering wheel your tongue life and death is in the power of your tongue your tongue that that greek word power means the direction in other words your tongue is a steering wheel 
but it also means to hand. Literally, your tongue hands you things. Yeah, but, you know, I don't really mean it. No, it doesn't work that way. Those, those demonic influences are watching your mouth. In the book of Job, it says, I will bridle my tongue while I'm in the presence of, your, of my enemies. Do you know how often you're in the presence of your enemies? Right now, your whole life. They're looking to see if they could get access. You either give them access or you deny them access with your mouth. Well, I'm just stupid. Okay. See, why is that? Because you have authority. So we have to, we have to guard the thoughts, the words, and then our actions. If you get your thoughts, you take those captive, you'll start speaking right. The byproduct of that, it'll be a flow. You'll start acting right. This is, this is a huge thing. You count it all joy. In other words, from this scripture, you count it all joy because you know these adversities, these tests, and these trials will bring about patience. What is that? It's that steadfastness that gives you the ability to stand and keep pressure against what is coming against you until it comes in line with what the word says. In other words, God gave you something to help you to stand. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, having done all to stand, stand. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be continuously strengthened inwardly in the Lord. Hallelujah. So we learn from this that Satan, he tests your faith. He wants to strip you from your faith. In other words, these tests, these trials, these pressures are designed to strip you of your faith. How does that work? By getting your eyes off the word of God. That's what he wants you to do. See, he has it real easy in most people's lives because they hardly ever even open this book. They, they sit, they might listen to a lot of teaching, uh, but that's not enough. It's not just listening. It's, it's, it's you have to meditate in Scripture, right? So always remember that and see what does Satan do? Like I said earlier, these past failures will produce future fears. So why don't we just all do this? Why don't you just draw a line in the, in the sand and go, okay, I'm forgetting the past. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Every, as a matter of fact, everything that the enemy's stolen from you, he has to bring it back. So in other words, right now, why don't you just give yourself an undefeated record? Right? You're undefeated. Do you know why? Because Jesus is undefeated. You're a world overcomer. It says in 1 John 5, 4, whoever's born of God overcomes the world. And then it says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is the victory. So now let's jump down. Let's talk about this a little bit more. James chapter 1, let's go to verse 22. So then he says this, right after he's talking about these trials and things. See, now the background on this, James was pastoring the church at Jerusalem. They were under heavy persecution. And they were saying with, amongst themselves that God is tempting us. He's the one that's testing us. Right? Now, does the word of God test you? Absolutely, every minute of every day. Somebody cuts you off? On the freeway, you're, 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 the word's testing you. Right? The word wants you to just forget about it. But your flesh doesn't want you to, so you have a test there. Somebody stings you in your personal life. Something goes wrong in your business or in your finances. And it's just, but see, the word of God always tests you 
to bring you to a place of obedience so that God can get over to you what he's given you. The enemy tests you to get you to disobey the word so that he could come and steal, kill, and destroy. It's the way it always works. So, so James, was, he, literally in the Greek, he'd be like, guys, stop saying that God is tempting you. In other words, stop saying that God's bringing all this stuff against you. God can't, and he goes on and he says, God can't be tempted with evil and neither does he ever tempt anyone else with evil. God doesn't allow Satan to come in your house and mess with you or come into your life and mess with you. He does not do that because a kingdom divided against itself, Jesus said, won't stand. Yeah, but well, time out, pastor. The book of Job. The book of Job. Okay, what about it? If you're calling the book of Job, I know one thing right now. You've never read it. Because in the English language, it looks like God's going, hey, have you considered my servant Job? But it doesn't say that in the Hebrew language. It says, I see that you are considering my servant Job. What, how did all this happen to him? The thing that I feared most has come upon me. Fear opened the door. <coughs> It appears like God is saying, okay, I'm going to put Job in your hands, Satan. But that's not what it says in the Hebrew language. It says, behold, Satan, he's in your hand, but you can't kill him. Well, I'm just like Job. Really? That's awesome. Because within less than 12 months, he got all back double. And he, and he realized, see... This is where we've gone so far with this. You know, one of the leading worship songs is he gives and takes away. They get that statement from Job, which is hilarious because that's one of the 74 things that Job said that was wrong about God. When God finally showed up, he said, oh, Lord, Job, God never got down on Job because he didn't know this guy didn't have a covenant with God. He literally, if you read the Old Testament, you don't see Satan. He's almost invisible. He thought if I do good, God's going to bless me. If I don't do good, God's going to get me. He literally thought that. So his whole argument, all these theologians are going, okay, the question of Job is why do bad things happen to good people? That could not possibly be the question because God is Jehovah. He reveals himself. And when he showed up to Job, he did not answer that question. The question of Job was, Job, when everything is looking like it doesn't work out, when everything is looking like, man, why is this happening to me? This unfair thing, why? When everything, will you still trust me and believe that I'm good? It's the first book written in the Bible. God dictated that to Moses. It's amazing that the first lesson in the Bible was when all hell is breaking loose in your life and you may not understand why. With, I mean, why? Why did you have to be in the hospital for five months? If you would have got into that question, brother, we'd be seeing you in heaven. You wouldn't be here today. And all the myriad of people that are going to get healed and get saved because of your testimony wouldn't happen. Seriously, but the question, the first question in the Bible is God saying, listen, I am good all the time. Will you look past all the hell that's breaking looking loose in your life and will you look at me and go, but I know you're good and I trust you. I put all my trust in you. That person will get over everything they'll ever face in life. See, we have to study these things out. So James is like, don't say God's tempting you. God never tempts man with evil. He's not tempted with evil. And then he goes on in verse 22. And he says, but this is what you guys do. You gotta be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. This, he, this Greek word hearer means not just a listener. A listener is somebody who's listening but has no intent to do what they say, what, what the word's saying. No intent at all. 
I come to church because it's Sunday and I feel better about myself if I come to church, but I have no intent of really applying this to my life. Millions of believers come like that. And what's sad is they're missing this Zoe life that God has for them. Thank God he's long-suffering. I'm a testimony. God never gave up on me. He'll never give up on you. He never gets mad at you. He never gets down on you for the mess. He just believes that you are going to get it and he sees who you are and he sees all that he's provided for you and he's fully confident that he's going to get you to the end of your course. That's who God is. It says here, be not a, or be a doer of the word, not a hearer or a listener only, deceiving your own selves. This word deceiving is real interesting. The Greek word means to exercise one's reason, to reason falsely or incorrectly. This, this Greek word literally means to mislead yourself. What that, I mean, it's amazing. People will think they're in faith when they're not. People will think that they're spiritually mature when they're babies. And, and see what the reason why is their mind is not renewed because they're not meditating in the word and they're, they're reasoning. They're exercising their reason. They're, they're reasoning falsely, though. They're reasoning, re, they think, well, you know, I've been in this word of faith thing for a long time, and I just know. And they will literally, people get so, you know, they'll think, I'm a Christian, and they're so self-centered, they don't see how, how much they don't care about anybody else but themselves. Guys, we've all been there, haven't we? Man, you get up to here with you and you don't meditate in the word, you are going to be all about yourself, right? Have, have, unless, is it just me? No. We, so let's, give, let's just give ourselves a break and realize that and go, listen, Lord, show me what I'm not seeing. Show me what I'm seeing wrong. How, how, you know how he's going to do that? He's going to start saying, meditate in the word of God. It says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. That's a Greek word for mirror. He beholds himself, goes his way, and right away at once forgets what, ma what manner or what kind of man that he was. So you're looking in the mirror, you're hearing the word, you kind of are like, wow, yeah, th uh, this is great, this is who I am, I'm going to really do this. But then the minute the service is over, Okay, where are we going to go eat? And I got 900,000 things to do. And man, I, you know, I've got, I've got 75 emails from work. And I'm, I gotta, I'm just going to kind of get ahead of it today. And all of a sudden, by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that scripture that the Holy Spirit was going, you need to start meditating on this because you're going to face something and you're going to need this. You forgot about it. Right? If you really want to get into it, what is really the hearer of the word? A hearer of the word will be somebody who will hear something in a service and realize, man, pastor, he talks fast and, you know, see, these southern preachers have it. Keith Moore. Be a doer. You could take notes when you listen to him because he talks slower. Right? Be a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. You need a Bible? If you didn't bring a Bible, the ushers, I mean, it's like, Keith, dude, you got to get people out of there. He doesn't care. I was in Christ the Healer class with him at Ramah. He spent a whole week, Christ the Healer, we're going to talk about healing. The whole week he talked about being overweight. Man, I'm just like getting punched in the face, you know? And he's talking about these things. And then there were two ladies that were overweight in our class that wrote him a letter. They wrote him a letter about how upset they were. They moved all the way to Ramah. And so here's Keith. He goes, well, we were going to move into the Word. 
But he goes, I got a couple letters, and it's obvious that we didn't get what I was talking about last week. So now we're going to take another week. And he talked about the exact same thing. But see, us, us more northern preachers, you got to go back and listen to it again. You know, my wife has never found my off button. Uh, there is one. It's on the computer. You could listen or on your phone and you could just stop and take notes and underline your Bible. And then what will happen is God will say, hey, have you thought about this? And what about this? And he'll tailor make it to exactly what you need. And you turn into a hearer. Do you remember the hearer of the word in Mark chapter 4? They came back and said, hey, Jesus, you were talking about this parable. Can you explain that to us? He said, absolutely. Right? They came back. What? Listen to a sermon more than once? Man, I've listened to sermons, I don't even know. I, I, I could easily say 25 to 30 times one sermon. You know, easily. It's probably more than that, but I'll just be conservative. It's amazing how when I listen to Brother Hagen, when I read his books, I've heard it so many times, but every time I hear something else. Because it's the word. Spiritual things always increase. It says in verse 25, but whosoever looks and keeps on looking into the perfect law of liberty, which is God's word, and continues, stays there. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in his deeds. So this is huge. Matthew 10, says, he that endures till the end shall be saved. So let me finish by just explaining what I'm talking about. So what do you do? You know your enemy. You know how he comes. He's throwing thoughts. He's, he's trying to get your eyes off the word. And then you secure the word of God. You get two to three scriptures that tell you that God has given you what you're believing for. And then you start meditating in those scriptures. What does that mean? You start rolling them around over and over and over. Over and over. You keep speaking them. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things are possible to me who believes. Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. Right? Whatever it is, my God shall meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Right? All the, great peace have they which love thy word, and nothing shall offend them. You keep rolling this over, and this is what will happen. So now you're, you're speaking the word. You're not letting it depart out of your mouth. The Holy Spirit is down on the inside of you with your spirit, communicating truth to your spirit. And then this happens. Psalm 119, right? Verse 130, the entrance of his word gives light. So if this is God's word, see, words are containers. They contain his thoughts. So the water is his thoughts. The water is full of life and power. But the entrance, that word entrance means the opening. So what happens is the Holy Spirit will open the word of God on the inside of you as you meditate in it. This is the flow. And once that happens now, light comes out. And now Psalm 119, well now the word's open, and now Psalm 119 verse 105, the light that comes out of the word of God will be a lamp to your feet. It'll show you right where you are. It'll show you adjustments that you need to make. It'll do all the work. It'll show you what to say, where to go, what to do, who to have in your life, who not to have in your life. The word will lead you, and then it will be a light to your path. It will show you your next step. God reveals himself. You gain revelation knowledge, and now you progress. And this is the walk of faith. One step at a time. It's a flow. So today, the decision is, am I going to make a decision to believe God's word that it's not in my way to know my path? 
It's not in me to order my own steps. But God has ordered them. And they're good. The Bible says he leads us into all the truth. So, so will you continue in the word of God so that you know the truth of the word so that the truth will make you free? I pray that you get that process started. If today you're sitting here and the word is boring to you, you haven't started the process. Well, now, wait a minute. I was a teacher. I did this. I pastored a church. I've been in this thing for many years. doesn't matter. It's not. See, the Bible talks about letting things slip. No, you have to, you have to be on your game all the time. Faith is a lifestyle. Amen?